Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mangum Talks TV. I am Lee. I am here. I'm joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Spencer, we are back after a couple week absence. That's my fault. I got way too backed up last week. Had to had to push it. But now we are going to review Succession Season 2, Episode 8, Dundee. Spencer, what would you think of the episode? You know, it was a solid episode. It's This show's continually surprised me about where it goes and the multifaceted aspects of the characters that it gives me. Uh, this episode was centered a lot about Logan, and we actually got a little bit of exposure to his background, which was fascinating to see, despite his pretty constant desires to hide it from both his children and the audience. Yeah, I agree. Uh, before we get going, do you want to plug anything on Mangum Reads? Nah, it all sucks. Focus on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Don't don't listen to Mangum Reads. No, listen to Mangum Talks TV. We're doing we're, we're doing some great material. We're continuing to run through various short stories that we're recommending on various larks. We're continuing pottering around, which is great. Our three perspectives continue to amuse me of how differently we approach these books, but it's made for a lot of fun. And we're going into a new full length novel, Spinning Silver, which I'm about forty percent of the way through, so I can't provide a clear endorsement yet. But at least so far, it has been a very fun book to read, and hopefully, in about two weeks' time, you'll enjoy listening to it with us. Didn't you do a story about, what is it, cat pictures? Uh, we did a story about an AI that their sole desire in life was cat pictures and trying to encourage both individuals that are providing lots of cat pictures as well as the general internet to continue to be based around cat pictures. That's AI I can get behind right there. Yeah, it explains a lot. You know, I always wondered why the internet was built around cat pictures. Did not realize it was a result of an AI search engine controlling it all. <laughs> all right, well... Let's get, uh, oh, before we get going, uh, Spencer, did we talk about this on the pod? Succession won the Emmy? No, we did not actually talk about that on the pod. Yeah, it won Best Drama, Best Drama Series, which is like the last thing they give out in the Emmys. Like, that's the last, you know, award. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like the biggest one. And then uh, Brian Cox won for Best Lead Actor. Yeah, and you know what it totally didn't win? Best Comedy. <laughs> Totally. You're coming around. You're coming around to my saddle. Didn't this is a even funny get show. N- didn't even get nominated, and I think that provides a clear category of where this show falls. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it, there is comedic elements. How about this? Let let me back up. It's not a comedy. It's a satire. Yes, I'm with you on that. And I even go as far as call it maybe a dramedy if you want to do those little annoying combination words. But it is if you want to call it a comedy, it's definitely a very unique kind of it. Yeah, completely agree. All right, well, let's get going. We'll start with the recap. We'll go through segments, which will include Roman line of the episode, Roy of the episode, and Spencer's relationship advice of the episode. That's God. Ready for the recap? Except for relationship advice, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so no, no music, uh, no cold opening here. The music starts right away. That's pretty rare for this show. Mm-hmm. And we start after the uh, music. We started a reception um, after a preview of Wyla's play. Sand. Uh, things aren't looking good for Wyla's play, it seems. Well, what... I mean, right off the gate. She has to explain that a lot of the lines are placeholders. Uh, she had a virus. She had a virus. And, you know, like... It's what? It's like 40% improvement over where it was before. What? Like, <laughs> you don't do a, uh, an opening with 30, like 30, 40% of the lines placeholders. Like, uh, you don't even know what the hell you're watching. Apparently, the preview review preview reviews were not good, and so they are doing damage control at the initial speech announcement. Yeah, it becomes very clear this place stinks. Tom is talking to Ship. Tom references a dinner in Dundee, Scotland, celebrating Logan's 50 years in the business. What we learned in this episode is that Logan is from Dundee, Scotland. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I pointed out in a little point of trivia for you in a previous episode, the writers initially said he was from Canada. And so in season one, there's a reference to him being from Canada. They ended up changing that to him being born in Scotland and moving to Canada when he was young. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Uh, you go ahead. Well, I mean, it's Brian Cox. You have to provide some degree of Canadian connection there. The man could not be more Scottish if he tried. <laughs> Completely agree. Uh, Shib is complaining about Rhea, and the guy Shib banged walks by and gives her a big old smile. Uh-huh. Tom figures that one out. And it's interesting. Tom has a different reaction here than I thought he would have. I thought he would get bummed out, but instead he got like kind of excited. He's like, is that the guy? Tell me about it. <laughs> it Tom's so, interesting uh, this episode. Where Tom, we've always said, is just almost like a puppy around Shib. It's just really bad to his will. Here, he's really straight playing off her. He's even mocking her a couple times. He's, I don't know, he's, he's showing a bit of independence I hadn't really seen of him before, at least in a- acting around Shiv. Yeah, he was kind of making fun of her, and she clammed up. I mean, he even said, are you sweating? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she, then we, go ahead. Yeah, like you said, I was kind of expecting him to be more uncomfortable with it. But no, Shiv was the one that was uncomfortable with it, and he enjoyed m- making fun of her for it. It was interesting. Yeah, good for him. Wyla's talking to Connor and is saying that they have the wrong sand. They're using construction <laughs> sand, not desert sand. That comes into play later. Uh-huh. Kendall comes up and congratulates Wyla. He calls her a playwright. She's like, yeah, I've always, call- I've always told you I was a playwright. And he goes, yeah, well, like Roman wrote a screenplay. <laughs> In quotes. Pretty funny line. Uh, Connor cuts through the bullshit and says, thanks, bro. This is the worst it'll be. Harsh. It can only get better. <sighs> Ooh. The- and she's right there. She's right there. But, I mean, Connor's not good with hiding things when he has a thought. But yep. clearly what has been initially announced by this play was not good. Not at all. Kendall asks Connor who one of the actors is. Kendall is clearly attracted to her. Connor calls him out. Kendall says, hey, I'm swimming in pussy and everything's gold. Okay. All right. Catch up on a burrito. Uh <laughs> It, it's a usual thing for Ken. He has a horrendous dramatic moment that shatters his life. He goes back to Wastrel. It's kind of his default mode when something unpleasant happens. Yep. Ship comes up and references an email from Rhea about recording some tribute videos for Logan. Hmm. Kendall kind of dismisses her and follows the actress. Cut to Roman. I love this scene. Cut to Roman recording a tribute to his dad. So he, he reads the script. He does yeah. what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And he finishes up, and the producer says it was perfect, and asks if he'd like to do more. Roman asks, well, if it was perfect, why would I need to do one more? The producer insists, and Roman says, what up, Bricklicks? It's me, Dr. Moron. I'm the ding-dong doodly-bug dipshit with a titmouse dick, and my dad fucking hates all of you. Fuck you, go bye-bye. How was Which, that? Was it good? It was a lot of fun to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, this is we see a lot of these initial little uh, recordings here at the start of the episode, and they are revealing about the characters, Roman in particular. I wish they had just made a mistake and actually played that one <laughs> at the reception. <laughs> well, that's pretty good. I think the dad would have liked it more. Yeah, I think Logan would have liked it more. Cut to Shiv and Connor, um, and they're waiting to cut their promo. Connor mentions it's surprising that Logan would go back to Scotland. Interesting little tidbit there. The show is really good at that. I don't know if you've noticed this, Spencer, where they will say something and you're like, whoa, there's a background there. And then you may or may not ever get it. Yeah, because it really does film this as if there's no audience. There's no one else watching this. It's just two people having a conversation. They don't need to explain things they already know. Maybe at some point we'll get more tidbits, but otherwise we're just along for the ride. Yeah, because every other like narrative vehicle would be like, you know... 
ever since blah 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 blah, dad hasn't wanted to go <laughs> wanted to yeah. go back to Scotland. But they don't do that here, which I think is is, is great uh, and really interesting. Uh, he mentions that Logan had to shit outside. That also comes up again later. Shib is still waiting, wanting to talk about Rhea. This is a theme this episode. Shib is on a mission. She is hell-bent on destroying Rhea. And she asks if... Uh, then Robin comes in, um, and he <laughs> she uh, Shib asks what he thinks about Rhea, and Roman's like, I don't know. Seems fine. Seems like she's the next one. Shib asks if they're boning, and Roman says he can't wrap his mind around that. Um, says Jerry says it looks like Rhea is the new thing. Mm-hmm. Connor points out that Jerry was once the new thing. Roman asks if Logan ever boned Jerry and gets a non-answer and looks disgusted. Yeah, and that is interesting because I never really kind of imagined that in terms of Jerry's background and relationship with Logan. I didn't either, but it, you know, I think they're they're really setting you up for yeah, that did happen. Mm-hmm. Shib asks if they should talk about how to handle Rhea, and Roman makes fun of him. Now it's Connor's turn to talk about Logan into a microphone. You ready to hear this one? Oh, please do. So th- it's interesting. So a few episodes back, Connor gave a eulogy at Mo Lester's funeral. Mm-hmm. And he gave it in a really plain way. And we all thought, well, he did that because he just didn't want to get anything on record. Yeah, we thought it was really tactical and well done on his part. And I think it might be about 40% that. But I think it also might be 60% of just how he writes. Because listen to this. <laughs> Hey, Dad, it's me, Connor Roy, your son. I just want to say that you have always been my superhero, Dad. You fight the bad guys, you always win. I know we don't get to spend as much time together, one-on-one, as we'd like, and that makes me sad, but I'm unbelievably proud to be your son. I super love you, Super Dad. You really right to call it back to Moe's funeral what? because there are so many of the same beats there. Like the announcing the emotion things. That makes, that me, makes sad. me sad. <laughs> As you say, that may just be how he writes. And it's so childish. It, it's like this guy stopped aging emotionally at like, you know, around age six. Six. Yeah, I was going to peg it about six. And that makes me sad. Thank you, super dad. <laughs> it's a 60-year-old man talking. Jesus. Yeah. And it's clearly heartfelt. He really meant this passionately. And that makes me sad. Goodness gracious. In walks Kendall. Uh, Roman has a great line here. And you're wearing the same clothes as yesterday. You want us to think you got laid. Next try. <laughs> and uh, Conrad, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Ben. Yeah, we get Shiv continuing her plan. She is really hell-bent for the first time ever and working with her family for a goal. And none of them are really having it. <laughs> No, Kendall was a little bit more blasé about this than I expected him to be, but he the writing is pretty good here because he does explain himself, which is like, hey, usually what dad thinks is right. So, no, I don't really like Rhea either, but he must be seeing something we're not seeing. Mm-hmm. Shib keeps insisting they develop a plan to fuck Rhea, and then it's Kendall's turn. Uh, Roman? Oh, Kent, maybe tell that heartwarming story about how you tried to kill him, take over the company. They don't have to moisten the old peepers. Roman's having fun this episode. Strong Roman episode here. Cut to the Roystar plane, and Greg is, is explaining to Connor that he thinks he got some sort of bug from the sand in Wyla's play. Connor says he bears no legal liability for that and shuts down the conversation. This is clearly a conversation that has come up before because he has a pat response ready to go. Yeah, you're going to have to contact the sand company like all the rest. 
and apparently the sand the cost of the sand is gouging him quite a bit. He says it costs like five twenty nine a bag, and I'm guessing the bags weren't that big. This play is proving expensive for Connor. Yeah, it really is, and that that is recurring theme for Connor through the episode. It's interesting. I think Connor and Shib are a little one note this episode, aren't they? Because Shib is just nothing but kill Raya, and Connor it's nothing but get more money. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely an element of that. I think Shivs is a bit broader just because of how many ways the kill Rhea comes in. But yeah, for Connor, he has one point and one point that matters to him, and he keeps trying to bring it back up. Yep. Meanwhile, Logan is talking to Jerry, bemoaning that he has to go to this dinner, but ultimately settles on the idea that it's smart. Because apparently Rhea told him that it's good to stress his experience in the midst of this potential takeover. You know, this is going to highlight, hey, you've been doing this for 50 years. Maybe shareholders will see that. They'll be reminded of that. And that will comfort them. Yeah. But from his perspective, he sees this as a very low-key thing. From what he's been told, he's going to set up a plaque. He's going to attend a dinner. He's going to go to a school we set up. Just very basic things. Not much media presence. Maybe release a newsletter. Keep it low-key. If that's what he's been told, he was straight up lied to. He absolutely was lied to. Carolina tells Logan that a former cruise employee, some guy in accounting, is spooked about a potential lawsuit and seems willing to talk. Troubling Logan complains that Carolina told him it was all sewed up. Interesting moment here from Carolina. She kind of snaps and yells at Logan and says, I said I hoped, to which Logan bellows, don't interrupt me! What did you take of that moment there from Carolina? It, it was interesting because she knows not to do that. She knows that this is, she clearly knows how to handle Logan. She's, her job is basically to be his assistant and handler. But the stress that this is clearly getting to her for her to have that, that is a slip in what is normally a very professional facade for her. Agreed. Jerry explains that this guy knows about the payouts, the shadow logs, and basically the whole deal. Logan says to get rat fucker Sam on the case in an attempt to bully the guy into being quiet. Logan asks who knows about it, and specifically if Rhea knows about it, they say no. Logan says good. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I thought that's interesting. Want Ray to know, yeah. Yeah, he's purposely isolating her from it, and people notice that. That's like, huh, okay. Well, you're kind of indicating your intent there, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, cut to Shib chatting with Marsha, still trying to recruit people to people to her Let's Kill Raya banner. <laughs> Shib says Raya's role must be hard for her. I think, did you get the sense that she was referencing a potential affair here? Yeah, she was very much referencing the affair. And Marcia kind of just shrugs it off. That's not as important to her. She says, don't worry about me. I'm not a child. I don't piss on the carpet every time it thunders. Woo! Marcia throwing heaters this episode. A lot of them, yeah. And Shiv's really kind of... This, Correct me if I'm wrong, but this seems like the first time Shiv's tried to actually work with other members of the family for almost any purpose. And she seems surprised that they're resistant to working with her, given how she's previously acted around them. Yeah. Uh, Shiv asks if it's smart to have Rhea do so much of the planning for the party. And Marsha says if she wants to throw him a party, who am I to stop it? Low-key funny moment there for Marsha, because she knows Logan's going to hate this shit. Oh, Yeah. Oh, but she's yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, if that's your idea, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, just remember to tell him it was all your idea. You need to take credit for your wonderful achievement. <laughs> yeah, the crew arrive in Scotland, and we cut to Logan, Marsha, and Connor in a car. Logan is talk, lo- taking in all the old sights. He clearly is getting a little misty here, or as much as he can be. 
quote, you look at the old pictures and they want you to think it was all so fucking simple. It was. I don't know what it was. It wasn't what they say. Connor, tell us a story, though. <laughs> Again, with the six-year-old Connor. Logan, great line here. What? what? A bit about old, old fucking Rosebud? Rosebud is a dollar bill. It's whatever it took to get me the fuck out of here. Good story, Dad. <laughs> it's really interesting to see Logan continually wax nostalgic over the course of this episode. Because, like Shiv points out later, he hates the past. He does not want to think about the past. He doesn't want to dwell on the past. But he can't help himself at certain moments. When he sees the bandstand, we briefly see Logan as a child. It's like he just like, laughs to himself and points it out and wants everyone to see that it's there. Because there's memories attached to it. But the moment that people want him to actually go into those memories, or even he thinks about going into it, shuts off completely. Yeah, I also think it's like he doesn't like to be told what to do. So yeah. when you say, hey, Logan, do this, his first reaction is, no. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. Roy has words. Logan arrives and someone welcomes him home. Logan, I don't remember anyone shedding a tear when I left. Shib then approaches Ray. A really funny sequence here uh, from Shib. I'll just give a couple of the lines that I thought were funny. So, you were a person who uh, can't look someone in the eye after you fucked him? <laughs> good line. Ray, good I line. acted in good faith. Uh, Shib, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what's truly scary, because I think you believe that. What, do you outsource your fuckery? You got the right brain for your TED Talks, left brain for your killings? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Ray, uh, Shib definitely approaching Raya here, calling her out for what she perceives as, you know, a, a, attempted killing the last episode. Mm -hmm. Raya just kind of, you know, sort of stonewalls. What did you think of this scene, Spencer? Well, I mean, we see, we've talked before about the last episode about Rhea being a power player and being good at manipulating people. And we see over the course of this, of this episode, she is good at manipulating people. She's not as good about the follow-through after she started the manipulation process, though. And it doesn't seem like she really had a clear plan for what to do after she screwed over Shiv. Did she, like, think that Shiv was not going to be part of the equation going forward? That she wasn't going to be able to still work something against you from here? She seems pretty flat-footed in dealing with the people that she has screwed over after it's happened. Agreed. But during the end of that, toward the end of that conversation, Shib does clearly suss out that Rhea probably won't be putting her name forward, but maybe putting her own name forward. Yeah, pretty much straight calls her out on that. It's like, well, you're not going to put my name forward because you just fucked me. But yeah, who else could you put forward? Hmm, I wonder. Who else needs a job? <laughs> Uh, cut to Roman and Jerry. God, did I like this sequence. Roman is oh, asking yeah. Jerry what she knows about Rhea. Jerry pulls him into a room, obviously not wanting to talk where the people can hear. Says that Frank is worried. He thinks it's something different. Roman says, yeah, he does this. Quote, remember when he bought that chick a harp? <laughs> <laughs> this is the second thing we heard, I think, Sally Ann mentioned that summer with the horses and all that. So, yeah, that one comes up. <laughs> Again, as you talked about, we get little tidbits of the past from these people that they will may, they may explain and they may never explain. We just kind of have to write down notes to piece them together eventually. Yep. Jerry is clearly worried. Ask Roman if he can seduce Edward. Edward, if you remember, is I believe the guy from Turkey. Who's some some father, vaguely Middle Eastern country or something. Yeah, or Eastern European. And... It says that his father, we learned in a previous episode, his father has a main line to the, the National Bank. So basically it's just like a you know blank check coming from the government. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to get Edward to potentially take them private. If they do that, then the takeover goes away. The concerns about cruises goes away unless there's something criminal. So yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of ideal world here. Mm-hmm. 
Roman says he can. He says, "Yeah, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to rim him." <laughs> well, it, it's interesting too because um, Jerry Crilly has concerns about the relationship with Ray, not only because it's something new and something with else, but it's taking Logan's eyes off the ball. That yep. they need him focused. They need Logan at the top of his game for this to work because it's going to be a close fight no matter how they swing it. And right. Ray is not conducive to that. She's got him distracted. He's not participating. He's allowing other people to take the lead. And that's not Logan, and that's not what they need right now. Yeah, completely agree. We end, though, with a doozy of a proposal. (laughs) This is romance right here embodied. Okay, dramatic reading in three, two, one. Mm, Okay, well, I will. I will talk to him then. Oh, and um, one more thing, real quick. Should we get married? What? You know, like, not that. Like, an equivalent. Uh, Like, like I abduct you and force you to live with me. Uh, Well, then you kill me and you chop my dick off or something. I'm kidding, you know, but what I'm saying, you you eat me, I eat you, like they do in Germany. Anyway, a lot to think about. I get it, so let it. Bye. <laughs> that I, was the the most nervous proposal I've ever heard in my life. Well, I don't know about Jerry, but I'm seduced. I mean, just the, the sheer romantic <laughs> skill that went into play in this reading. You kill me, you chop my dick off, you know something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Roman. I'm following perfectly right now. Where do you think that's going to go, Spencer? And do you think that was a real proposal? Yeah, I think it was as close as he can emotionally get to a proposal. I think he thinks he's in love with her. That that's what it is. But he is, he's such a broken, twisted individual. This is about as good as he can get to expressing that. Yeah, it was weird. But I, I did think there was... I don't think he was really asking to marry her. I think what he was talking about was, come live with me. Like, we're yeah. just going to... yeah. But, but he doesn't really know any other way of doing that. I don't picture him having many long-term successful, much less live-in relationships. We saw him pretty much incapable of even sharing a bathroom a single day. So I don't imagine he's had anybody stay for very long. Well, and that was the girl who was more of a girlfriend than Tabs is. Yeah. Because Tabs, I mean, basically is just like a best friend. Like, she just kind of hangs around. Yeah. Somebody enjoyed spending time with. But someone actually living with him, sharing a life with him, I don't imagine Roman's had that kind of ever. Particularly what we've, seen, what we've seen of his mom. No, I don't think so ever. Anyway, we cut to Kendall. He's chatting with the actress. Says they had a good time together. I bet it's just putting it mildly. I ask if she wants to go to Dundee and says he's sending a car for her. This is an interesting sequence here, Spencer, because I felt like this is really representative of how the uber-rich can bully the people who aren't rich. Yeah. Because she doesn't really want to go to this thing. But when you send a car and take her to a helicopter, to a plane, it's like, you know, pedestrian people have a hard time saying no to that. Yeah, it's not even that she doesn't want to go. She knows she shouldn't. She's doing a play. She has a job. It's going to be a problem. She she can't take nights off. She's a key actress in the play. But as you said... I think they said she's the head actress, right? Yeah. And as you said, though... It is an interesting amount of like implied force that's attached to this. It's like, oh come on, it's not that big a deal, and I've already arranged all the details, and you know, I kind of own a movie studio. So how about you come? Yeah, it, it, she did. It did seem relatively forced, and you could tell it was just not a good idea in the oh, moment. Either. No, it's stupid to bring her there. This is Kendall just doing what Kendall does when he's going on his bends. It's. He's mm-hmm. fixating on something. And yeah, this is the new thing and it's great and it's wonderful and everything else is okay in my life because this is good. Yeah, it's the addictive personality thing. He just kind of zeroes in on something and that right now it's her. Yep. 
Cut to Marsha and Logan. Marsha drifts off going up to Rhea and asks if she's regularly tested for STIs. <laughs> this is a hell of a conversation. We rarely see Marsha just straight cut you. She's su- she's usually subtle about things. But she's going straight to Rhea and basically d- cutting her down as a person saying, I know everything. You know the now that I know everything. And let's just consider what I can do with that. Now, a question for you. Yeah. Do you think that this really sort of aggressive move against Rhea is in some way inspired by the conversation with Shib? Meaning that the fact that Shib knows and is openly talking about it, it's progressed maybe more than Marsha had thought it has. And so, therefore, she felt the need to be a little bit more forceful. I think there's definitely an element of that. I mean, Marsha clearly doesn't like Shiv. They butt heads a lot. And the fact that she confronted her about this adds an extra element to it. I don't... Mm -hmm. I think Marsha understands Logan enough and has been with him long enough and has a perspective on their relationship. She doesn't necessarily care about his dalliances, except to the degree that they affect her or embarrass her. I think she's much more business-focused in terms of their relationship, regardless of how much she cares for him. And so... Yeah, I think I agree. I think it becoming public knowledge is a black eye that she doesn't appreciate, and so she feels the need to just put this in perspective for the new woman. Pretty appropriate that she's French, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Marcia, great line here as she's talking to Rhea. I have fought and I have lost, and I have fought and I have won, but when I lose, the other person usually loses an eye. Woo! <laughs> yeah cutting line and Rhea is clearly now rattled she's had two people confront her in pretty rapid succession and she's just finally getting a real accurate perspective on what it is to be involved with this family yeah and you think like she previously was integrated with the Pierce family and I can't imagine the Pierce family dealing with this type of situation so forcefully no no there's too many she probably just isn't used to just how alpha everybody is yeah, the Pierce family is guided by rules of decorum. That, you know, there are set procedures that are in place for confronting this. One can't be impolite about any aspect of it. The Logan family? The Roy family? God, no! Their method of confronting you is to, you know, stab you, literally or metaphorically. I think you I think you had it right the first time. The Logan family. Yeah. <laughs> it's about, it's, like, it's like, like a Freudian slip type thing, because it really is yeah. completely controlled by him. Logan walks up and dismisses Marsha. Rhea, and ask Rhea if everything is okay. She says, sure, all good. Logan thanks her for organizing the dinner. Again, dinner. Rhea says she is sensing turbulence with Shiv. Logan says she runs hot and makes a boogeyman out of the clothes she dumps on the floor. Always has. <laughs> Great line. And then Rhea hits, her, hits Logan with this one. Well, just as long as you don't mind a bit of feedback, a few noses are out of joint. Strong French feelings. I'm worried I might get blinded with a baguette. (laughs) (laughs) And this is, again, her Pierce training here. She doesn't come right out and say it. She has to be indirect about how she expresses it. Very good point. Yep. Uh, And that's why she's oil and water with this family. Mm Mm-hmm. Cut to Roman and Chip talking. Roman is running through ways to hurt, uh, hurt Rhea and finally lands on telling her about Rose. This... Evil. this This is Kendall's idea, right? I think it starts with Roman. Yeah, and then Roman, all... Roman yeah, think... then goes up to Kendall and says, hey, what about Rose? And then Kendall says, oh, like a lob a little grenade? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's... We don't get this yet. I mean, we've heard Rose, I think, like his mentions of Logan's sister, like, vaguely, I think, so far. But this is an episode where we emphasize that, no, this is an open wound that is never going to heal. Don't touch it. Yep. 
Tom comes up and Shib asks if he'd be flirty around Rhea. <laughs> weird ask. <laughs> really weird ask. I mean, I, I don't get the point of this at all, and neither does Tom, really. No, he doesn't understand it. And it's like, look, Tom's not a bad-looking guy, but it's not like, you know, he's so undoubtedly good-looking that you can just start throwing him at women. Like, women, are they don't operate that way. You can't just, like, take a mediocre-looking guy and go flirt with him, and they lose their mind. Well, and that's exactly what ends up happening. Tom tries to flirt with her, and Ray is just like, what the hell is happening here? It's also, Tom rightfully, I think, points out later, the default Logan response to this wouldn't be to, you know, shoot Ray. It would be to shoot Tom. That's right. who he's going to blame for this. Mm-hmm. Kendall goes up to Rhea and she asks if she should make a toast. So right on cue, Kendall says, yeah, absolutely. You could toast his mother, Helen. Maybe mention Rose, his sister, who's no longer with us. He might appreciate that. Oh, he'll appreciate something out of that. <laughs> Kendall sells it well and Rhea starts a speech. And this was never going to go well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Even without the Kendall grenade. Because Logan doesn't like these big showy gestures. He doesn't like speeches. And I don't know why everyone keeps trying to have speeches around him. Did somebody paying attention to his nonverbal cues? No. And it, it's a wonderful moment we see of Shiv later about how little he appreciates these kind of formal moments. But Ray is not in on that yet. Again, as, we, as you beautifully pointed out, she has Pierce training. They love speeches. They love these toasts. It's part of inter- beginning the event. But it's a dumb read to think that Logan appreciates this at all, particularly where she goes with it. To Logan's mother, Helen, and his sister, Rose. Everything gets quiet. Logan puts his drink down, pulls out his phone. Ooh, everybody else cheers as Logan's uh, and as Logan looks at his phone. Spencer, question for you: Did you see Tabitha's, Tabitha's face while this all went down? Didn't really notice it. What, uh, what, what, uh, what was it? Very funny, like laugh out loud funny for me. She just has the look like, um, ooh, you know, like you do when like something like surprising yeah. happens. Yeah, she had that kind of look. It was very funny. Did you see that Connor decided to do his toast in uh, Scottish Gaelic? Yes. <laughs> of course he would. Uh, he, d- he, he, he does it right. The toast is over, and they're all sitting around talking. Roman, wow, well done. Look at you, fitting right in like a camp counselor. In my butt when I was 12. Is that kids? <laughs> Anonymous? I see your thing. It's good. It works. You're kind of like a peppy, fun gun set to milf with a like a lean-in, womany, brandy thing that works well with the Fitbit moron whatever people. Whoa! <laughs> I love when Roman is just set on it. I'm, I'm going to insult somebody now. Wait, wait. Ten words in. I didn't think this through. Where do I go? I'm still going. I'm still going. Like a lean-in, woman brandy thing that works well with the Fitbit moron whatever people. <laughs> got to work that into a conversation somehow. Not sure where, where I'm going to be able to do it, but i got to use that. Oh, yes. Please do it and bring it back to the pod. That was a really good line there by Roman. Rhea tells Roman they could work together, and Roman gives her the Roy House words. Fuck off. She says she's genuine, and he says it's bullshit, but thanks. Tom's come, Tom comes over, this is the scene I was talking about before, and tries to flirt. Super awkward flirting here. But, I mean, I can't blame Tom because he didn't want to do this. Yeah, but no- as he's doing it, mm-hmm. it seems like Roman picks up on what he's doing yeah, and gives him a look like, really, dude? <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a mission always doomed to fail because, as far as you can tell, has he ever interacted with Rayo one-on-one before at all? I don't think so. So this this is what Chip is sending to start off with. Yeah, but Roman reads this in a heartbeat. But it's interesting to see that Ray is now... Tr- Ray realizes pretty quickly that, okay, Shiv's trying to do something. Shiv's still against me. She's still in this. I got to hit everybody around her. And Roman's the first person she hits with... Again, she's pretty good at reading people. She's pretty good at sensing a, mo- a weakness and exploiting it. 
And for her to come to Roman and say, I think you have the best instincts of all of them, he brushes it off. But I think when he says thank you at the end, it's actually... He really does actually appreciate what she said. Because I think that's a good read of her about he wants a degree of validation that he has proper business instincts. And it's a good thing for her to focus on trying to seduce people away from Shiv. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I thought it was a great line of sort of conversation for Roman. And I agree with you. I think at the end when he said, well, it's bullshit, but thanks. He still doesn't believe her, but he likes the concept, right? Yeah, we're going to see the exact same response out of Kendall later. Is that they know exactly what you're doing, but well played. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Now they're sitting around talking and Shib asks, this is a brutal scene here. Shib asks Rhea where she's from. Rhea says all over. Roman asks if her mom volunteers for the Democratic Socialist Party. Tom, oh, watch out, folks. We got a lip tard to punch bowl. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. This gets Logan's attention. He starts paying yeah. attention. Shib then gamely asks the waiter to fill up everybody's glasses except for Rhea because she doesn't drink. This seems to surprise Logan because remember, she did have a scotch with him in the last episode. Yep. And it's interesting to see not the lack of drinking really hits Logan almost more than anything else does. I'm like, yeah, he mentions later that she's liberal, but the drinking thing, he sees that as a betrayal. Yeah, she straight up lied to him. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a black and white lie. And it's good that it's a good thing for Shib to focus on. Yeah, let's give Shib credit. I mean, as much as she often rubs us and everyone else the wrong way, she's plotting this episode and she's doing a pretty good job of it. Once she's set on a task, I mean, I guess this is probably from her political training too, but once she's set on a task of destroying somebody, she is like a dog with a bone and pretty quickly reads yep. where weaknesses are. You're absolutely right. And that's that's exactly what she's doing the entire episode. Yeah. Then we get to a really cringy <laughs> sequence here with Connor. He's trying to help. He's trying to help. He wants to support Shiv. <laughs> Connor. Well, here's a toast. Raya. Oh, great. Connor. I guess I just want to say how great it is to have everyone we know and love in one place to celebrate our dad's life. Shib, yeah, here, here. Yeah, oh, here, here. Shout out to Raya for planning a wonderful funeral. I mean, <laughs> uh, memorial, uh, uh, evening. Raya, oh, please. It is my honor to salute a man who will one day bury us all, no doubt. Uh, uh. Yeah, yeah. Again, <clears throat> it, it's attempt- I mean, she's attempting to, uh, you know, do a riposte from the uh, attack that Connor just threw her way. But again, none of this lands well. Logan doesn't want to be here. Why are you even dragging it out? Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like she lost a lot of capital with Logan in this scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's only going to get worse by the time of the episode continues. Cut to some random neighborhood in Scotland. I, I believe this is, is still in Dundee where there's one protester with a sign that says Roy Cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I like it. They're all like, they're all looking at this going, oh, there's only one guy. But you know, he kind of got the point, you know, he's emphasizing it. He's hitting a good note. Craig, who is featured in this episode, which always makes me happy, points out that it's even more awkward with just one protester because you don't know if you should look at him. (laughs) Uh, Connor, Roman, and Shib point out that the house that Logan apparently grew up in is kind of nice. Connor goes so far as to say, I'd live there. I mean, I wouldn't live there, but someone would live there. (laughs) It's like, hey, if this was Brooklyn, it'd be worth like five million bucks. Easy. What's he ever been complaining about? It's like... Man, you two guys do not understand your dad at all, or at least have never bothered to try. Because, you know, we find out over the episode, if he lived in this house, it was like for like the first five or six years of his life before his mom died. So factor that in. Yeah, he doesn't remember. Uh, They doubt that he's ever pooped in a bucket, which apparently is like a story that Logan has been telling for years and years. Mm -hmm. 
Greg points out again that he has some sort of bug that he's trying to deal with, some sort of infestation from the sand. Logan pulls up, looks at the house, doesn't get out of the car, and leaves. Roman, ah, uh, memories. Again, what did you make? Of, what did you make of him not even get, going into the house or even getting out of the car? It's again, it's a, Shiv, Shiv hasn't. I'm re, we're, I'm gonna love talking with you later on this episode about the moments between Shiv and her dad when they're talking with each other. But she has an excellent read on Logan. He does not like the past. He doesn't like thinking about it. He doesn't like to experience it. It is painful to him. He doesn't want to have to deal with it. And this is just Rhea not getting this at all. That she thinks, oh, from again, Pierce experience. They love history. History is everything. These prior moments are what inform us all, and it's wonderful to talk about it and dwell on them. Fuck no. Logan doesn't want to deal with this at all. This is open wound. This is the house that he basically only remembers because he's tied it to his mom's death. Wherever yep. his dad was. Never even mentioned the dad at all. Nope, he, they don't. He has no memories of this place that aren't unpleasant. He has no memories of Dundee that aren't unpleasant. He does not want to be here other than for the pic- a couple pictures. And then he's done. This kind of personal experience with the past is an anathema to him. Yep. Jerry approaches Shiv and explains that the guy who is threatening to talk has refused $10 million. That's, She's running the idea of dump. Yeah. And it's clearly really fucked with Jerry because she doesn't know what to do now. So she says, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I can double the offer. And Shiv says it's a good idea. Jerry says not to mention it to Logan. <laughs> He's apparently having too much fun, Spencer. Yeah, yeah. But it's really interesting that Jerry's coming to, coming to Shiv. Really interesting. Because Shiv's not part of this at all. She has no position at the company. She's clearly not really even the one that's in line now to be the heir. She's just a member of the family. But several times over the course of the episode, Shiv, more than any other member of the family, is the one that's at the center of this making the calls. And that's mm-hmm. interesting. It's a certain measure of respect that the other people hold for her. Otherwise, I really enjoy this scene just because it shows the kind of corporate mindset that Jerry and all of them have. Is that the idea that someone can't be bought... It's like, what? Completely anathema to them. They can't process it. It's just, I have no idea what to do with this. I guess offer more money? Because who wouldn't accept money? Yeah, that's all that she can come up with. It, it doesn't even cross her mind to say... Let's talk to the person. Let's try to show them that we've fixed whatever the issue is. Like, there's no moral component. It's just like, well, what's the number? Yeah, let's meet them on a human level and actually see what their concerns are and how we can best address that on a, per- a personal recognition of their value and where they're coming from. No, no. Call Ratfucker Steve, send cash and threat. Yeah. Logan shows up to a school of journalism that I think he has given a ton of money to. And I think yeah. they're going to name it after him or his mother. Something like that, yeah. Good sequence here. It, it starts funny and ends up being, I think, really uh, powerful, maybe is the right word. But it's uh, Kendall and Rhea are talking. Yeah. And they start with uh, Rhea. Wow, a whole school for how to intern at a clickbait aggregator. <laughs> Kendall, <laughs> yeah. Ten reasons why you're never getting paid. Man, the show really shitting on the state of journalism now. Uh, yeah, it was fun to read some reviews of this of where the, all all the various journalists that were talking about this episode talked about that is the single most true and painful scene I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> State of journalism is rough now. Not good. Uh, she asks, why are you trying to fuck me? He feigns ignorance, but he eventually says, look, I, I'm offended of how you treated some of the other people uh, in our in our group here. My, not just my family, because I think he, he mentions his sister, but also Frank and Jerry. It's, it's interesting who he, who he emphasizes here. It's like, those are the people he's infinite on half of. Those are the people that matter the most to him, maybe. 
But Rhea, always sensing an opportunity. She's very good at like taking these little moments mm-hmm. and planting a nugget. She says, you know, you're good, but you're still in the rock tumbler right now. You're not ready. She goes on later in the conversation to say, no, it's okay. But when we are out on the other side of all this, it's you. I'm telling you now, it's always been you. Kendall, well, thank you. I don't know about that, but thank you. Again, there's a good parallel with the Roman conversation, which you pointed out earlier, where they both go, huh, well, you're hitting me in the feels, but I don't believe you, but thanks. Because this is a very excellent read on Kendall. I mean, she's good at hitting what everybody wants to hear. And this is exactly what Kendall has always wanted his dad to tell him, that it's always been you. You've always been the one that could do it. You've always been the one that Logan had his eye on. You need to know that, however this plays out. That, yep. if Logan ever told Kendall that, his life would be complete. Every aspect of what he's always wanted from his father would be there and done. Well, I would caveat to that, is that if he told him that and then followed through. Because <laughs> I think he's, he did tell him it was, he was the one at one point. He's told Shib that she's the one, and he's going back on both of those. Yes, yes, indeed. Cut to some sort of... This is... Before I go into this, I just want to point out, Spencer, I've mentioned on this podcast many times that I think I would thrive as Logan's son. I think I would also thrive as his friend because I find him to be just hilarious because we cut to some sort of dedication ceremony and Hugo just asked Logan offhandedly, hey, you know, they, they're really happy about this. They want you to stay for lunch. Logan, fuck no. <laughs> and Hugo, who's worked with Logan for years, basically says, okay, fuck no. I got that. <laughs> Walks off. <laughs> I just love how, fuck no. I love how angry Logan is at being invited to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and... How well you can work with Logan is how much you can understand and work off that. And I think you would work perfectly around him. Because you would... If you can read Logan and understand the man, he's not that hard to work with. There's just patterns you need to understand. Yeah, and he's not... You you can't just throw a last-minute lunch at him. No, And expect him to be like, oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) And, And also for him, he just wants this to be done. He understands it has an image value, and he's willing to walk through that. But he doesn't actually want to put in any effort and involvement in it. No, of course not. Ewan then approaches it. That's Uncle Ewan's music. And he says, the Logan Roy School of Journalism. What's next? The Jack the Ripper Women's Health Clinic? Oh. <laughs> uh, Logan kind of brushes that off. And actually, Logan and Ewan share a memory. And they kind of laugh together. And Logan gets a robocall about the shareholder vote. Boy, does that piss him off. Every time he gets one of these, it's just the best thing in the world. Like when just somebody casually, either with the, remember when he got the, the tablet and now yeah. he's getting the robocall? He just gets so mad. <laughs> They're using modern technology I don't understand to try to thwart me. Damn them. Uh, meanwhile, Greg approaches uh, Uncle Ewan, says it's nice that uh, Ewan and Logan were having a chat. Ewan, sensing that um, Greg might be thinking he's softened to his brother, goes on a hell of a rant about how Logan is morally bankrupt. He starts to rant about climate change. And he ends with the doozy of, there's a case to be made that Logan is worse than Hitler, which Greg even screws up his face at. <laughs> Godwin's like, law. Come on, Greg. Come on, Granddad. What are, you, what are you talking about? Ewan then throws down the gauntlet. He says he wants Greg to stop working for Logan. Says if he doesn't, he'll remove Greg from his will, which will cost him roughly $250 million. <gasps> so that, that's not, that number seems high to me. Yes! Dear Christ, we had no idea about that number. Well, I just don't know if it tracks because Logan said that if they completely sold everything and completely got out of the Waystar Royco business, they'd get $10 billion. Yeah. 
Now, this is just his brother, who he's not even that close with. Mm-hmm. And this is only Greg's part. Greg also has a mother. You know, presumably there's other family members. Mm-hmm. How the hell does that guy have that much money? Well, it either, again, tells us that Logan doesn't really understand his brother that much and that his brother has actually been building his own fortune with his own, you know, ideas and plans. Right. Uh, we did see that he apparently owns an impressive amount of land in Canada, which could be worth something, depending if that's liquidated. But it either is a... I don't think it's a made-up number. I don't think it's in Uncle Ewan to just lie about something like this. But it, like you said, it strongly suggests that he has some assets outside of just the Roy family empire. So I kind of thought what he was doing here was being a little sly. Mm-hmm. Is he was saying, I'm going to remove you from my trust and will. And the trust and will is $250 million. Ah. Not necessarily that everything that would go to Greg is two fifty. Maybe, maybe. But either way... I don't think we have... Did we at any point know that Greg had this coming down the pipeline in any way? No. I don't think he did either. No. And it clearly rattles him. And it rattles us too. It's just like, Greg, what the fuck are you doing? Do anything but this. Do not risk this. Yep. Uh, Meanwhile... What, um, just a couple, couple notes for the last scene. Um, one, who invited Uncle Ewan to be here? Because they say it. Marsha. No, she didn't. You think it was Rhea? No, he even says it of where uh, Logan asks him, did Marsha invite you? And and um, Ewan responds, no, you're no one. Whoa, yeah, it's Rhea. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting that he's already very much in the loop. He already knows his brother well enough to know what's going on there. It's, again, yeah. utter stupidity on Rhea's part that she invited him. We saw Marsha do it because she wanted to make for a, th- a pleasant Thanksgiving and create a family that would never happen. It was a dumb call on her part. But this, again, is just that Ray apparently has Logan's contact list and is just inviting all of them without any understanding of how bad an idea that is. Yeah, which that comes up later. Otherwise, I agree with you. It's a really kind of almost, I don't want, I guess cute might be the word, but the moment when the, both of them reminisce about birds, mm-hmm. uh, that when he says, oh, he purposely just makes up a bird he didn't see, and they actually share a laugh and a memory for a moment. I think this is the only time they've ever just met each other as brothers, rather than with all the other loaded baggage attached to it. But it doesn't last sense, long. I get the sense that's the first time they've done it in probably decades. Yeah. But it's Logan's the one who's trying. Not Ewan. Ewan would not dare. But yep. Logan's effort actually briefly gets a response out of Ewan. It's the only for a brief moment. But it makes you wonder what they were before Logan's empire. Well, Ewan is still his older brother. And yep. I'm sure that he has memories of being young and his older brother taking care of him through very difficult situations with, at a minimum, include his mom dying and his sister dying and then having to move to Canada. It shows that as much as he hates the past, he can't escape from the nostalgia. At least not, particularly not here. And it's still informing about how he's interacting with people. And this is a moment of nostalgia between the two of them. It's just a shame that it can't last any longer than that. Well, and also, like, it's consistent. Because every scene that we've had with Logan and Ewan, Logan is putting forward some level of effort. Yeah. He wants to have a relationship with his brother. It's just Ewan can't. Yeah. It cuts a Roman who walks into a bar and he meets Edward. Edward is going on about buying a Scottish soccer team, signing some world-class players, then flipping it. Roman says he doesn't know anything he just said. <laughs> he does bring, Words. Up, <laughs> bring up that Edward, uh, Edward and his dad are interested in taking them private. Edward says that's a conversation they can have. Roman agrees to buy the hearts with Edward. This is a Scottish... It's like the Scottish Soccer League or something? This is world something teams. like that, yeah. Yeah. 
And it, again, it's hearts playing Hibs, and he says, oh, well, my dad's always loved hearts. So that one, yeah, yeah, that, that one. Yeah, let's buy hearts. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, Edward also doing the thing I would do if I was rich. Spencer, I promise you, you give me $2 billion tomorrow, I'm buying at least a stake of an NBA team. <laughs> Which one? Pick a team. Probably the cheapest. <laughs> no, no, no. Give me a name. I want a name that you're getting $2 billion on. I'm not saying I got $2 billion lying around, but in case I get it, I need to know you're going to use it right. Okay, I'm buying the Orlando Magic for $2 billion. Okay. I think you, I th- I think you could I think they would, you know, sell you uh, for that price. I think so. Cut to Kendall. He's in bed with Jennifer, the actress from the play. So she did end up going to Dundee, as we posited before. Connor knocks on the door. A very funny sequence here. Ask if Jennifer can go back, because it's, I mean, <laughs> he's financing the play. So it's all this overhead cost. And now, because this actress has left, apparently they can't have the play. Now, here's what I don't understand, because Spencer, I don't know if you're a man of the theater, but I am. I am as well, yes. Um, they always have a backup. Always an understudy. So, always. Always an understudy. Yep. So if the head person gets sick, leaves, goes on vacation, quits, whatever, they have somebody else in the wings. So I think this is just indicative of just how amateurish an operation Wyla is running. Yeah, because th- these are, these are pl- no play just, well, most successful plays don't run for like, you know, a weekend. They run for weeks or months, or at least they plan to. And so they're reasonably factoring in that there will be days when somebody is not available. Surprises happen. And they build that in. I've seen countless plays that have had their understudies performing and usually doing damn well in terms of putting it out. That they don't have this? This isn't a functioning play. This is amateur theater. Yep. And at least the plays I've been in when an understudy is is there, they usually get the biggest pop from the crowd. The crowd's like, oh, that's the understudy. And then they give them the biggest round of applause. Because they deserve it. This is their moment to shine. This is their opportunity to show their chops in a way they otherwise wouldn't be able to. Credit to them. Well, Connor is very angry, and in his six-year-old logic, as you pointed out earlier, says, I am very unhappy with this outcome. (laughs) (laughs) I have emotions, and I only know one way of having you understand those emotions, and that's to tell you what my emotions are. Cut to Connor, Shib, Roman, Kendall. Shib is again pushing the anti-Rhea movement. It's just, she's dog with a bone, like you said. She's just barreling forward. Connor says she might not be the worst thing. Uh, points out that having a woman from the outside run the company now, I think his implication is, you know, with some of the issues that Waystar is having, might be a good look. Kendall Waffles says he thinks Shiv has overplayed her hand as she flips out at that. Claims that Rhea has gotten to them. I don't know what that means. Connor then says he's starting to like her. She's not wrong. Connor says he's starting to like her. Shib flips out again. Connor storms out. Kendall says she's being too emotional. And oh boy, oh. she did not, did not like that. Roman says, I was gonna I was gonna mansplain it to you, but basically Kendall already has, and then Roman leaves. Yeah, I mean it, I mean to a certain degree she's right, because apparently Rhea has talked to all three of them separately. We've seen the two scenes between Connor uh, with Connor and uh, sorry, not Connor, Roman and uh, Kendall. But we also had Connor say there that I'm in a bit of a financial situation, and Ray has indicated she'll be supportive. So this is, again, Ray is really good at reading weakness and hitting that point. Uh, So she has kind of gotten to all three of them. Whether that's informing the decision or not, who can say? But this is, again, Shiv's trying to say, well, we've got to defeat her. We've got to defeat her. And kind of all their perspective is, why? Yes. Like, what does that give me? Well, what's interesting to me is, well, the reason I said I don't know what that means is like having a conversation with someone doesn't mean they got to you. Yeah. So I'm not sure that Rhea has really gotten to Kendall 
I think Kendall is just kind of like, well, what are we going to do? Buck dad on this? That's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, this is a, you know, Shiv's self-absorption, but she's convinced that the only reason you wouldn't support me on this is because you've been bought off. There's no other reason why you wouldn't support me on this. When in reality, all three of them are looking at it saying, no, it's just really not in our interests at all because why would we? Basically, you're basically saying that we should support you rather than her because that's the that's the only other option you're really considering in terms of who should be the CEO. And A, you're probably going to fail. And B, why would that really be good for us? Yep, completely agree. Yeah, it's just too much confidence from Shib. It's just mm-hmm. con- it's a, it's a constant thing with her. I don't know if at some point in the show they're ever going to take her down enough notches that she doesn't have that overconfidence. But up to this point, I mean, every loss she has, she views as someone else's fault, not her own. If they did, she wouldn't be Shiv anymore. It's a basic aspect of her character. Cut to Shiv and Tom talking. Shiv is still targeting Rhea. Tom says, whoo, and this is your point about Tom in this episode. He punches back at Shiv more than I've ever seen him, and he says... It might be a better fit for him if Rhea took over. And Shiv's flabbergasted by that. Just like, Spent, what Spencer, did you, you say? Uh, Spencer, do, you, do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, actually I do. I think Rhea I would better too. treat people under than Shiv ever would, particularly right with uh, Shiv's perspective on Tom. Well, we and, already know that she was positioning Tom to be in part of the division that she was going to cut if she ever took over. Good callback there, yeah. Um, Tom doesn't even know that. <laughs> But it, it, it's, yeah, it's really interesting to see Tom acting like this because it's so much not what we proved he's interacting with, uh, how he interacts around Shiv. That he's straight calling around, not even there, but even his next follow-up line is this that, okay, so you, you fight her, but you think if you kill Ray that Logan's just automatically going to give you the CEO job? No, he won't. What are you doing about this? Mm-hmm. And Shiv has no response other than that he promised me, he owes me, I'm going to do it. It's yeah, like, she has some corny line, like, he made me a promise and I'm going to cash in that coupon or something stupid like that. It, again, she's Shiv has skills, she has abilities, and she plays them out very well over the course of this episode at several moments. But she has a very one-track focus about how she goes about them. That it's just that, okay, I do the thing, I get the thing, and that's it. That's her goal. She aims to do the thing here, but I don't think she really has a plan for what's going to come, out, come as a result of that. Or if she does, it's really blinding. It's... She's really blinded by her hopes and dreams rather than what can actually come about. Yep, I agree. So this is a kind of, you, on the surface it might seem to be a throwaway scene, but I think it's very telling. We cut to Logan and he's talking to Marsha and he's planning for dinner and he's talking about the people who would potentially be there. It's a short list. And he's clearly not even looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, he's dreading this dinner that they think they're going to have and it's really a full-blown party. Yeah, I think he says that, ah, so that's like that's like 30 people, right? Like max of 30. All right, I know, I guess I can put up with that. And Marcia obviously knows this isn't to be the case. Yep. And she just kind of shrugs <laughs> it off and says it French, I think. Eh, I'm not your secretary. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. At the reception, a band is playing. Ewan is talking to Greg as they look down upon the, uh, the attendees. Ewan says, Tacitus comes to mind. You know who Tacitus is, Spencer? Uh, Tacitus is a Roman historian from about, like, you know, 50 to like 120 uh, AD. He's a, viewed as one of the greater of the Roman historians, particularly of that era. Yep. He quotes him. He's made a wasteland and calls it an empire. Great Greg moment here. Greg. Oh, man. Tacitus. Tacitus. All killer, no filler, that guy. 
Ewan asks if he's tendered his resignation, and Greg says he's still knocking that one around in his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, question, question, question. If you yep. were Greg, and your granddad had just told you this, mm-hmm. what would you do, and what would you have done by this point? I would have told him that... I would have asked... I would have said, yes, granddad, yes, of course. I, I share your your moral compunction here to not be involved with this company. Is there any way I can get some level of a loan or an advance on that money? Because <laughs> I'm sh- going to be broke in the meantime. Like, I have to work somewhere. And yeah. if I can't work there, what, what am I going to do for money until I come into this inheritance? So that's that's the third way I'd, I'd try to strike with him. Yeah, that's a good thing to point out. Because, you know, he's kind of staying with Ken, so I don't think he's paying much in the way of rent. But he's still living in New York. It's an expensive damn place to not have a job. Yeah, I mean, he's got to have money. So I, I would just be like, yeah, granddad, that's cool. Can I get, like, five mil? <laughs> and if you look at his resume, he's got, like, how long do you think he's had this job? Like, six months or something? Six, eight months, something like that. It's nothing. <laughs> so he's, he's got this, and if he leaves that, that's already not looking good. They want two years minimum, one prior job. And job before that ends with threw up out the eyes of, Matt, of a costumed character. Yeah, he did do that. <laughs> it's Connor not a good resume to look for new jobs with. Connor comes up to Roman and Tabitha and says the play is suffering from bad buzz. Can't imagine why. Uh-huh. Rhea pulls everyone together for a surprise for Logan. Logan walks in. And they say surprise. Logan, Jesus H. Christ, and walks out of the room. <laughs> Outside, Logan is flipping out. Everybody's there. Everybody's there. Who did this? Who did this? Marsha, Rhea thought it would be nice. Logan then calms down a little. Mm-hmm. Breathes in, walks back in, and then attempts to be magnanimous and starts chatting with folks. I mean, we we knew this is how this was going to end, right? Like, we yeah. knew he was going to hate this shit. I just love his reaction, because it would totally have been my reaction in that situation. It's just like, nope, I'm done. Nope, that is not what I signed on for. I'm out. I was misled. Jesus, I'm done. <laughs> and Kendall is walking around with Jennifer. She's checking her phone. She says people from the play are super pissed at her. I can't imagine why. Mm. Kendall says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. What I'm getting back to what I was talking about earlier in this episode, how rich people, really rich people, have a way of just dismissing your concerns by saying, eh, I can take care of it. It'll go away. Yeah. The problem that you're having, it's insignificant. Don't worry about it. He starts telling her some sort of story about Logan, and she kind of snaps and points out that he talks about his dad a lot. Kendall didn't like this, but he says he, his dad's a large presence. And then she says, you know what? You should meet him. You should meet him. Is this a good idea, Spencer? No. Fuck no. Why? Have him meet her in a controlled environment, not at this thing where he's already on edge and unhappy. Yep. Or also just not at all because he, do- <laughs> he doesn't care and also seems to directly use any new girl that comes into Kendall's life as an opportunity to hurt him. So, yeah, keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, it's been like, what, two days or something? Like, if that. Like, to meet the dad right now. Logan is chatting with Connor, who is pitching the idea of Logan becoming financially involved in the play, which Logan, you can tell by the look on his face, he knows what that means. Mm-hmm. Kendall and Jennifer walk up to Logan. Very stilted conversation here. Jennifer says it's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's going on, I guess, the reception. Kendall introduces her as someone involved in the theater, and bizarrely, she says she isn't. I don't know what, what that's about. He says, yeah, well, I, I don't get that. I, I don't understand that. It's like, he says, well, she's in the theater. Uh, well, 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 not really. Like, I mean, you are. I mean, you are. Yeah. And she, she kind of like tries to shush him or something. It's like, you're an actress. Why, why is this a thing we're talking about now? I have a theory. What? 
she just knows the play she's in is shit. So she's like, I'm not really acting. Like, this is not a real play. <laughs> that definitely could be part of it. And also, she's not really in the play right now. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and then she also says it's awesome again. At the second awesome, Logan kind of, his eyes get big and he goes, okay, well, nice meeting you. I have to leave. Yeah. And pretty much walks immediately over to Shiv and say, did you see Kendall's latest? Mind like a balloon. <laughs> that is an interesting now, line. Yeah. So now begins, I think you alluded to this earlier, um, a few scenes between Logan and Shiv that are really telling. Yeah, they really are. Because I don't think they've really ever had an opportunity to have these non-loaded conversations before. At least, yeah. at least with the perspective of one of them, a non-loaded conversation. Yeah, Shib asks if they can call a truce for the night, and Logan agrees. Yeah. She says she's got him something. It's a book of houses, and Logan is looking through them, and he's being very nice. He's like, oh, well, this is very good work, and these are very nice houses. And she has to point out, Dad, these are ours. And he's, like, legitimately surprised. Like, really? Huh. And he clearly does not really recognize them or know them. And her understanding of this, which is one way to interpret it, is that you don't really like the past much, do you? Logan says, I do, I do. There is just so much of it. And that's a, that's a powerful line, I think, both for Logan and, you know, the history that we are getting just tidbits on of, of a lot of pain in his childhood and early adulthood, but also just, I imagine how a lot of old people feel. I mean, when you get to be 80, people are like, do you like the past? It's like the past, it's 80 years of memories. Like, it's a lot. It also kind of frames an aspect of his character, too, that I haven't really thought about, is that there's a, current, a certain measure of running that's kind of tied into Logan. That he doesn't want to have to dwell. He doesn't want to have to think about it. The future's all that really matters to him because he thinks he can control that to a certain degree. I don't know if he's unhappy with his past or just doesn't want to think about it, but it's something that he immediately divorces from his mind. And this book with the pictures of his own damn homes is really reflective of that. Now, question for you. Do you think that, because I mean, clearly Shib, when she saw him not recognize the homes, wanted to put forward, okay, well, you just don't like the past. You don't like thinking about this stuff. Do you think this is the show giving us yet another hint that Logan is on the cognitive decline? Yeah. It's at least giving us the idea that it's another interpretation of this scene. Yeah, me too. I don't, I mean, I think either of those are perfectly viable explanations for what just we just saw and what just happened. But that one's got to be the back of our minds as a, a potential explanation for it. Yep. Logan goes on to explain he's worried about Rhea. That she was able to get everyone there and he didn't know a thing. This is to your point um, about how she got you in there. This troubles him. Mm -hmm. that she's got the full Rolodex and she's able to get everybody there and he doesn't know. I mean, that gives her a lot of power. And I think he's uncomfortable with that. Rightly so. <laughs> he basically hits three points about her that he suddenly has realized that he doesn't like. The that second one is that she's blue. Yep. To, mm -hmm. to which... Shiv, to her credit, goes, well, you know, so am I. But he immediately brushes down and says, yeah, but you fucking get it. <laughs> You're an okay liberal. And the third one, she says, she told him she drank. They shared a whiskey. Calls her a prick tease. Shiv says, we don't use that term anymore. Logan says, yeah, 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 no, I'm not supposed to use certain words. Um, in comes Jerry, and Logan says he's going off to the pisser. It's a really interesting interruption that Jerry does right here, because he says... He, I mean, Logan's turning to Shiv and saying, with a real moment of almost vulnerability, he's saying, I'm worried. Is Have, have I got it right? It's almost mm -hmm. like he's lost for a second there, and he's really just talking to her like a daughter, and it's like, yep, 
honey, I'm actually kind of scared right now. I kind of need your support. Can you tell me if I'm doing okay? And God, I wish Jerry hadn't walked up right then. Because I, mean, I love we come back to the conversation between the two of them. But man, we've heard before people say that Shiv's his favorite. Yep. But we've never really seen it until right now. Because we have never seen Logan talk like this with his kids before. Ever. No. At all. No, to be vulnerable like that, yeah. And it's, oh man, I, I, I want to see more of that. And I, I, I was cursing my television when Jerry interrupted. Yeah, I completely agree. So when Logan's in the bathroom, Greg approaches him, tells him that Ewan told him he has to quit or he won't have an inheritance. Mm-hmm. He says he needs to, great line here, he needs to negotiate a bit of a Gregsit. <laughs> that is a legitimately funny line. That was well done. <laughs> Logan says he likes Greg and I believe he's telling the truth yeah and he makes a pitch he says first off he says he didn't think that Ewan would actually cut him out of the will Mm -hmm. but second he says he um, it's ultimately your choice who do you pick Uncle Fun or Grandpa Grumps yeah I agree with you that when when Logan tells Greg he likes him I really do think he's being sincere I think he actually does like Greg even repeats it and do you think he's right about Ewan, though? Yes. You do? You think, you think yeah. this is, in some ways, a bluff on Ewan's part? At least at this stage, yes. I, I agree, but it's something that Greg really needs to be careful with, because this is a hell of a thing to take a firm stance on. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, <laughs> it's not like Logan's offering to give him $250 million. No, he's just offering a continual job. Now, that yep. could lead to a lot, of, a lot of... Depending on what Greg wants, it could lead to a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. But it's a kind of a bird-in-the-hand moment. If you know the $250 million's coming, that's a hell of a thing to risk on what's a bit of an uncertain proposition, particularly with what we know about what's going to happen to this company going forward, or what may happen to the company going forward. Yeah, I agree. Negotiate a bit of a Gregson. Shout out, Greg. Great line. That's funny. That's a great way to start a conversation right there. Jerry pulls together a group of Frank, Peach, Sheb, Shib, and Hugo. She calls it, good line from her here, she calls it the newly formed what the fuck are we going to do committee. Apparently the potential whistleblower doesn't have a number. And again, so she presumably went back to him with the $20 million offer and he said no. Yeah, and then she apparently even said, just give me a number. And he said no. And anyone who's ever willing to say no to a blank check, again, that is legitimately intimidating. They posit he might have a backer. Yeah. Spencer, do you have any theories on who this backer could be? Well, you know, I got ideas. Uh, it's very possible it could be a, a somebody trying to negotiate a bit of a takeover of the company right now. Could be. Could be. Could, I'll could tell be. you I'll tell you who I thought when I, I'm just, and this is not telling you anything about what's going to happen because it's just what I thought at the time. I remember talking to Sarah about it. I thought it was Ewan. You thought it was Ewan? Yep. Ooh, oh, that would be juicy. And there's a little evidence for it later on. Because oh. Ewan specifically mentions the cruise oh. division to Logan. Oh, that is interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. I was, I was kind of surprised by that scene of like, was Ewan just kind of hanging around in corners and overhearing? Because yeah, that scene at the end of the episode, because Ewan was showing knowledge that I wouldn't have expected him to have in that moment. Right, yeah, exactly. Good. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting read. That's my theory. Jerry points out that any new CEO will get ripped to shreds and boom, the light bulb goes off. Light bulb goes off in ship's head and she starts looking around. Then we cut to, anything you wanted to talk about here? 
Well, it's an interesting couple. It's interesting how they how they, they uh, react with the scene of where Jerry says this when they all know that Ray is the one. That it's part probably the purpose of why they're even here. Is she intentionally giving Shiv an opening to say what Shiv then does about? Eh, let's give him a night. Let's tell him tomorrow. Is she playing effectively godmother the way she com- sometimes does with these kids? <sighs> I don't know. Because she, you, ha- could, you could read it either way, right? I mean, Jerry's smart. They're all smart. They all kind of know what the purpose of this whole thing is, that Ray has planned her own, you know, coming out party. Um, do, you th- do you think they know that? I think they think it's possible. They okay. seem they they seem to realize that Ray is different and that this is probably what this is angling towards. Whether they know exactly what's about to happen, who can say, but Shiv certainly does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Then we cut to the best sequence of the episode, possibly the best sequence of the series. It is beautifully done. It's the the, the pinnacle of television. I, I would put it up there with um, the West Wing. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, you want the you Sopranos, per- The Wire. <laughs> All right. You want to perform this for us right now, man? I'm not doing it. I thought about it, but no, I'm not going to do it. So was- Kendall says he has a tribute to Logan, and guess what that is, ladies and gentlemen? It is a rap song. It is. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to ask you to perform it, but review this for me. You have, you know, ex- you've given me a bit of exposure to the rap and all of that era of genre of music. <laughs> the rap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so give me a full review on this. How does he perform? Okay. I'm going to tell you this. It's, the lyrics are weird and pretty whack, but I will tell you that he sells it and has the energy. Because that's the, that's the thing about hip hop. Like you have to come at it with energy. You have to sell what you're doing. A lot of it is like false bravado. And he sells it. And shout out to this actor because there is a many different worlds where the actor could think this is so absurd mm-hmm. that they would sell out the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't. Jeremy Strong, I think is the guy's name. Yeah. He goes with it. as, And it's, such, it's so smart because if Kendall was going to do this, Kendall would really think it was cool. And mm-hmm. he would operate as if he was like the coolest guy in the room while he did it. And that's exactly how the actor acts this. So if I'm going to grade it, I give it a B. Um, and most of that is for effort, not content. Yeah. And I think it, the effort pays off. The confidence he's bringing on stage, the crowd gets into it. The they do. Like, he gets a call and response at one point. Yeah, the crowds. This is a collection of stuffed shirt business people. They're Logan's contacts, and they're waving their arms in excitement over the course of this. Yeah, he because when he starts, the whole room is like shocked and embarrassed for him. Yeah, but as he gets going, people start kind of head nodding, and then he does the call and response thing that works. He even tries to get Roman to do it. Roman goes, "You have to stop this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting mode of protecting us from Roman because Tab Tabitha starts filming it, and Roman tries to stop her. It's just like, no, no, I have to actually protect my brother from this. This is in the same says, category of rescuing him from a drug den. He says, yeah, it's like taking him away from meth heads and getting him to not rap in public. <laughs> Brotherly responsibility. So Roman does say at one point, this will be the end. Of, this might be the end of the company. We might get sucked into a black hole of embarrassment. <laughs> but uh, it, is, it is a powerful, I can't say powerful. It's an interesting scene. I had a, a really hard time watching. But I agree with you on the B grade. He... The main objective of any performer is to get the crowd to have fun and, and you know work off you, and he succeeds in that. So he does credit to him. And he, and the cherry on top here is at the end when he goes over and puts the hat on Logan. 
Logan is beaming. I don't know if you noticed that. He's he's really smiling. Yeah, it, I was really not expecting that. I was going to him be, be embarrassed, whatever else. But this is someone not taking this seriously in some ways. This is someone making this the less formal stuff to prevent that he hates. And he kind of responds well to it. This, this, okay, this is a kind of personal touch. You obviously put effort in. And it's actually engaging me. Credit to see, you. See, that's the point I was going to point out. Because you very astutely early on in this podcast said, notice that Logan likes effort. And mm-hmm. so the little offhand, oh, I'm just going to give a speech and just kind of say the same superfluous shit everybody says in all these toasts. He hates that. But this, he got to, got to do a beat. He memorized the lyrics. Mm-hmm. He's having to sell it. He's putting himself out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Logan Logan probably was just hated the actual music, but probably yeah. just really liked that his son did this for him. Yeah, I'm very much with you. And it, it's interesting how well he responds to this and Shiv's toast that happens later. Because again, they're personal, they're effort, and they're respecting what Logan actually wants rather than what all the rest of this is. Yep. Well, great scene there. Shout out to the show. <laughs> then they, they start playing the video tributes to Logan that his kids have made. Have you noticed that the when they were doing the... I think this is an inconsistency in the show. Because when they were doing the ones before, it looked like it was just audio. Because they had like headphones on. Mm-hmm. And they were speaking into a microphone. But the ones that got played in the room, they were clearly just standing there looking at a mic, uh, camera. You're right. I, I guess we could write it off that they did multiple versions and decided to go with the video. But yeah, they're definitely playing camera now that we did not see before. But it's like, they, could they have done multiple? Because they tried to get Roman to just record twice, and he did that whole thing. <laughs> I guess they begrudgingly off-camera brought him back to be on camera. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that the show fucked that up. <laughs> Continuity department. Roman introduces Logan to Edward, who has a prepared line, really cringy, congrats on a lifetime of kicking ass. Logan, thanks. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> And again, this is this is Connor doing a good job of assessing weakness. Logan does not like that this is being framed as a as a as in memoriam. No, he doesn't. Uh, he, he still thinks he's you know full time employee. Why why are you doing like a sort of lifetime achievement award for me? Mm-hmm. Roman explains they got him a present, the hearts. Logan stares blankly. Why? Roman says, "Well, it's it's your favorite." Logan says he likes the hips. Roman says, "Are you sure, Logan? Oh. You know, maybe you're right." How would I know what team I supported all my fucking life? How could I fucking possibly fucking know? Eduardo walks off and just pats Roman on the shoulder like, whoop, well, you fucked that one up. Yeah, I love Pete. I think it's Pete that even tries to chip, to chip in to help Roman there. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm really bad at giving gifts to... <laughs> Terrible. Logan approaches Shib. Again, ask about Rhea. She says Logan should do what he thinks is right. And now what we're led to believe here is that Shib providing this you know, support of Rhea as the next CEO, even over herself, is only a result of this potential whistleblower. Right. And it's a shame, too, because Logan's really coming to her honestly, just looking for her opinion. And Mm -hmm. her response is very effectively manipulative. Um, And it's even more perfectly timed of what then comes on the screen. Yeah, the video tribute. Uh, Do you have the quote of what she says? It's something like, fuck Uh, you, Dad. Yeah, I've got it here. Uh, hey, Dad, congrats. Uh, look, I, I know how much you hate all this bullshit, so I'll just say, fuck you, Dad, and wish we were having wine instead of being here with all these people who are just scared of you. Very and good. That is perfect. That is a perfect thing that Logan's feeling right now. And you can see how happy that it makes him 
when she sees this, he has a legitimate laugh and smile, same way with with the scene with Kendall. And when she tells him, then just try your gut. You can't give it to me or anyone else because of sentiment. You know that. And it's the perfect thing for her to say right now. It's just what he wanted and needed to hear from her. And when he says, thank you, darling, there is love and affection there that we've not seen out of this man. Yep. He goes up to give a speech, says they surprised him. He, he, he wanted to point out, yeah, you fuckers, <laughs> you got me. So some people say I'm wedded to my work. Just ask any of my wives. <laughs> Marsha does not like that. Logan says that the, after 50 years at the helm, now might be a smart time to think about who will help him write the next chapter. He then announces that he will be appointing Rhea Jarrell as his chief executive officer. Shib smiles. Roman claps sarcastically. And Marcia stares daggers through Logan. Yeah, because this, from her perspective, is the real betrayal. Yep. She's not in the inner circle anymore. Because yeah. if he wants to go off and, you know, have sex with somebody, that's one thing. But there needs to still be a trust and affection between the two of them. And if he's cut her out of this decision, that's not there anymore. Yeah. The, their relationship was that we were a certain measure of equals on this. That you would trust me. That we would advise each other. That this was our thing. To be entirely cut out of that loop... We don't have a relationship anymore. Yep. Outside, Jennifer approaches Kendall. He points out she said awesome a lot. Very, very uncomfortable scene here. She says she didn't notice. Kendall says, you're cold. Let me go inside and get your coat. Notice he didn't offer his coat to her. He said, I'll go inside and get yours. Walks up, tells the lackey that Jennifer needs to be on the first flight out of there. Also wants her to be told that he's tied up. Uh, presumably that way she doesn't come talk to him. Kendall, Kendall grabbed a drink and looks despondent. So what do you make out of Kendall's reaction here? Um, about how he so quickly brushes her off and the look on his face he said at the end as he walks away. What is this? I think, all right, so I think that Kendall, everything in his life is so tied up with his father mm -hmm. that he knows that someone who gets off on a bad foot with his father is not going to work because he's 100% dependent upon him. Yeah. And... That's why he's very decisive and very ruthless about kicking her out of there. But I think he also did like her. And I think he's also a little bit depressed about, or at least upset about, that that's the current state of affairs for him. That he can't really choose his own partner. His yeah. dad has to kind of give thumbs up, thumbs down. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely, a part, definitely what's informing this. I think it's also measured too. There's a certain kind of sobering up, maybe not literal, but just kind of a cold light of day look at this and what he's yeah. doing and just kind of realizing that, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. Uh, okay, let's just stop this as fast as possible because I've just now realized what, the, what I'm doing. Yep, I think you're right. Logan then approaches Marsha. Marsha is clearly pissed. I don't think we've ever seen her this angry in the show. She explains that Logan never told her anything about stepping it down. Logan apologizes, but he did say, it's weird, it's a hollow apology, because you know people who do this, they say, I'm sorry, but you did, you know, like that's not a real apology. But he apologizes and says he didn't like it when she told him he should sell the company. Good quote from Marsha here. You hear what you want to hear, and you push me, you punish me for something I didn't say. You've been careless. You've been careless with me. I'm bored. You're boring me. And she storms off. And it's even a, a it's a very, I'd say, metaphorical line here. She says the end of where she storms off right when they're about to do the plaque. And he says, don't be stupid. It's a plaque. And her response is, oh, God forbid, God forbid I'll miss, miss the plaque, right? Your shiny little gravestone. Ooh. That's a very much, I'm done. 
you need to understand how done I am right now. That I don't even want, I don't want to even be with you to see you in eternity. Goodbye. Then Ewan comes up and he says something along the lines of, um, you're going to have to face your reckoning alone. So why does Ewan think there's a reckoning coming? And then we get Ewan's quote here. Very good one. It's hard to know which is more toxic, toxic, your news outlet or your cruise division. Mm-hmm. All those years blaming yourself for Rose. I'm not interested. That really wasn't your fault. This though, this is your fault. This empire of shit, time to pay up. And so I think it's heavily in- implicated here that Ewan is the one putting the screws to him. He's telling him, your, your reckoning is coming. I'm mentioning the cruise divisions. It's time to pay up. A lot of, lot of clues there. It's definitely possible. I think the cruise, I mean, we know the cruise division has been in the news a bit already, so he could be referencing that, but his timing for this is hovering around Logan, him wanting to be there for this. If, if he's not part of it, he's certainly getting pleasure out of it. Though it's interesting yeah. as well that there is st- still a measure of nostalgia and still a measure of brotherly comment of when he says that Rose was not your fault. He needs to explain that, that whatever you were in the past, I need you, that boy, to understand that. But mm-hmm. still, there has to be become. Reckoning. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I hope they, they give us a backstory on what happened with Rose. I mean, I think you could probably fill it in. She probably died maybe in an accident. Maybe she was abused. And he always blamed himself. Something along those lines, I imagine, is what it is. But we don't know. I mean, it seems like that they were a measure of orphans after their mom died. And based on the ages that they say at one point, like, he even says your... I think even in the conversation, they give us the ages of, like, uh, that you were five and I was four when mom died. So they were yep. very young, which Rose then must have been a baby. And yep. who knows what could have happened there during that period of them basically probably being homeless or whatever else in, uh, in the aftermath. But I'm sure it was unpleasant, and I can only imagine what scars would result from it, including Rose. Oh, scars. Remember Logan's back? I do remember Logan's back. That's ah, true. You know, we lived with his uncle for a time. Yep, yeah. Oh, that gives us options. Yeah, good call back there. So Logan walks up for the plaque ceremony, unveils the plaque, and looks around anxiously. End of episode. I thought this was a good one. I really liked it. I thought there was a, a lot of really good moments between characters. I think it's clearly driving towards something. Mm-hmm. You know, where the season has kind of always been going, which is around cruises. Mm-hmm. But I like the, the dynamics around Logan. Uh, both with, you know, him and his, his daughtership, which you've pointed out is really great dynamics, really great dialogue there. Him and his brother. Mm-hmm. which is complicated and it's complicated in a way we haven't seen before because there is some affection there. We've gotten multiple folks um, or multiple times in this episode where they either laugh or you know they, they say something that's not overly hostile, which we haven't gotten before. I also think to a lesser extent, um, you know, I joke about Greg, but I like Greg a lot. And for Logan to tell Greg, hey, I like you, mm-hmm. and to make a pitch to him to not leave the company is pretty high praise for a guy like Logan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose you could try to understand it as him just wanting to screw over his brother, but I'm with you. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's mm-hmm. he's being honest and legitimate when he says that. And it's a testament to a quality of a show about how good their building episodes are, their transitional episodes. Because officially, this is a transitional episode. This is setting up something that's going to come afterwards. But mm-hmm. it's still really good television. And that's rare. We've often come like when we were reviewing Game of Thrones, that, oh, well, that wasn't the best episode. It was a transitional episode. Because their focus was on the big moments and the climaxes, whatever else. For this one, even the moments of when we're just kind of getting between A and B are a pleasure. Because as you said, the character interactions, the dialogue is so well done. 
Yep. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I give this very high marks for an episode, mm-hmm. and they do give us more backstory, I think, about Logan and Ewan and their childhood than we've ever gotten uh, before. We've gotten a little bit, but we get a lot more of it here. So yeah, great episode. Yeah, and the previews we that we they flashed real quick from the next episode, looks like we've got straight congressional hearings coming up. Next episode is titled DC. Oh boy, we are going into the lion's den. Look out. Yeah, I know. It's it's a lot of fun, the end of this season. I've been... I've been more excited to get to the next two episodes in this podcast than any of the other podcasts we've done. Now, we only have two episodes in this season. We've got two episodes left, but I've been more excited to get to those two episodes than anything else we've reviewed. Damn, that's a hell of a statement right there. It's a a wild ride, my friend. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, do you want to cut segments? Let's go segments. I will tell you right now, I've got nothing for relationship advice because everything here was horrible. Okay. Scrap relationship advice in the episode. <laughs> I mean, Don't I think, do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. even the moments that are really heartfelt are ultimately horrible because only one of the people is feeling that. Like, Yeah, I agree. There's there's not much for relationship advice in the episode. It, it, it's a series of sad things of where it, it's almost just like it's made all the more painful because you can see where there was hope. You can see where there was a pleasant time when this was in a better state or could have been better and now you're just seeing all the aftermath of it you're just oh I got, I got something what you got if you are going to do a tribute for someone you love say yeah. a father yeah make sure you do it with A plus effort that is good because that's right one there. one positive thing out of this is that when Kendall said I'm going to do something nice for my dad he gave it his all and he actually succeeded so shout oh. out to Kendall Okay, now that we're doing this, little tidbits, I got one too. That okay. when you're looking to throw a celebration for somebody, you're looking to do a party for somebody, you're looking to, give, give, to do a gift for them. As you're planning it, take a moment, pause, and think to yourself, am I planning this based on what I want, or am I planning this based on what they want? Mm-hmm. Because there's a real concern you can run into when you're like getting involved in an event that it can quickly shift to something that you would find enjoyable and get far afield from that actual person. Particularly if it's like a surprise, because they're not involved at all in it. There was an initial idea about them, and now, since then, it's all about you working at the details. And that can quickly go in a direction that is not at all conducive to their happiness. Yep, I completely agree. Okay, let's go to Roman line of the episode. I'm not even going to... I'm going to scrap the review, and I'm going right to Roman line of the episode. There was never any doubt. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, it was you got? always going to be this one. One of the best Roman lines of the series. Wow. Well done. Look at you fitting right in like a camp counselor in my butt when I was 12. Is that Keats? I see your thing. It's good. It works. You're kind of like a peppy fun gun set to MILF. It's like a lean-in, womany, brandy thing that works well with the Fitbit moron whatever people. <laughs> this, this line perfectly encapsulates... What I like about Roman, oh, he perfect. just has these little fits, ver- like verbal fits, and he just he's moving like weaving in all this cultural stuff mm-hmm. and trends and really wild sort of uh, uh, characterizations and stereotypes. It's just a blast. You, you can tell that maybe he planned ahead to Peppy Fun Gun set to MILF because there's still there's still an organization to it. But from there, it's just entirely stream of consciousness. It's just, I need to finish the insult. I don't know where I'm going. Just let the mouth go. Lean in, womany brandy thing that works well with the Fitbit moron, whatever people. Strong, <laughs> strong Roman line. Oh, yeah. And that gets us to our last segment, Roy of the episode. I don't even know what to say here. It's hard. 
this is a hard episode to really assess it. Um, shall we just go through and see who we're left with? Sure. Well, it can't be Connor because he's going broke. It can't be Kendall because he's he's just he's doing target fixation and then realizing he's all his problems playing the episode, despite his legitimate success at rap over the course of the episode. It could be Shib, I suppose, but she still is kind of on an island. Yeah. She's not getting what she wants, and she's rolling the dice that this issue with Cruises is going to be so bad that Rhea is just permanently damaged. Otherwise, she's just handed the keys of the kingdom to the person she hates. Yeah, in terms of tears, I definitely think that uh, uh, Kendall and Shiv are at a higher category than Connor. They both legitimately had successes this episode, but it only got them so far, and there's problems underlying them. I don't think it can be Logan, because he just screwed up his marriage, and he's got the cruise thing coming. Yeah, and he... Yeah, that's definitely there. Are we left? Could it be? Could it be Roman? Could it be Roman? Has Roman ever been the the Roy of the episode? I mean, let's think about this. Nothing really... Well, no, he had problems too. He bought hearts. Well, yeah, but that was... I mean, you get the impression that that was, like, not... Yeah, he, he they he, had the kind of money where that wasn't a problem. He well, he, he had he had an unpleasant moment with his dad, but that's every Tuesday. He made a marriage offer to Jerry, which I'm not yeah. sure how it landed. I don't think it landed bad necessarily. She just seemed like she was surprised more than put off. Right. Uh, yep. Um, he had some great lines. Great lines. He kind of treaded water. Yeah, but you know, there's kind of it's. It's interesting. I think the marriage offer may give him the credit just because it's such an adult move that I didn't think he was capable of. I mean, it, well, sh- okay, there it is. M- maybe he's growing. Maybe we're actually seeing that some people who are assessing that he's capable of things, but he just hasn't been given the opportunity are right. And he did have the idea for, hey, why don't you mention Rose? So he that was great a little bit. That was a good So goal. yeah, I'm going to give it to Roman. Roman! Yeah. Not a particularly strong week for any of the Roys, but <laughs> Roman, I'll give it to you. Yeah, it, it, I... I think among the Roys, it kind of has to either be Roman or Shiv, and I think Shiv, it's almost a willing burning down the kingdom rather than necessarily success on her part. It's a success of bitterness rather than a long-term success. Yep. All right. Well, there we go. That's season two, episode eight of Succession, titled Dundee. Spencer, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, I really agree with you. This was a real pleasure of an episode to watch. It doesn't have necessarily some big climatic moments, but this show just does its interaction between characters so well that it still makes for a really fun watch. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, Spencer, I enjoyed doing this with you. This is Sunday, 2-9, and we are going to record again next Sunday. Looking forward to it. We got a plan. Till then. See you. Bye.